everyone, I'm Christine, and this is Uni Life with Canvas Nottingham. In preparation for this week's episode, we invited you, the Canvas community, to ask us anything. That's right, any question you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast. It could be something about life or faith or anything, really. A couple of the questions that were asked specifically addressed the whole Canvas team. And so we thought, hey, why not try something new? So on this week's episode, you are going to hear from all four of the Canvas teammates, Miles, Matt, Alicia, and myself. So the first question that we're going to answer today came from Alexander. He asked, what drives or drove each of the Canvas teammates to specifically work at Canvas? The first person to answer is going to be Alicia, who, welcome, Alicia. I know this is your first time on the Canvas podcast, so, so excited that you're here and that people get to hear from you in this platform for the first time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to, to be here. Alicia is our newest teammate at Canvas, and um, she is originally from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Not to be confused with Idaho. Am I right? Um, And so she's going to answer the question first, and then we'll move on to the next person. So what drove or drives you to work at Canvas, Alicia? Yeah, so that's a that's a really interesting question and actually quite a quite a story. So while I was at uni um, back in Nebraska, I had the opportunity to be an exchange student at the Canvas that is in Salamanca, Spain. So um, I did a semester. Well, what was going to be a semester and actually ended up turning into a year of taking classes at the University of Salamanca and being an exchange student with Invivo, the name of the Canvas in Spain. Uh, During that time, I actually heard about um, that they were going to try to create a new canvas, but in Ireland. I was like, oh, I think that could be really cool. I really enjoyed what was happening in Spain. Like, I just really, really liked it. Um, And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I should look into being a part of this new canvas in Ireland. Um, And that turned into kind of a journey. Uh, There is not a canvas in Ireland. And through that, I actually found out about Canvas in Nottingham. Um, and so, yeah, that, the Ireland journey was a little bit tumultuous at times. Um, but it led me to Nottingham through a lot of different little tiny things that is way longer than a podcast episode. Uh, and so, yeah, I arrived in September and I have really enjoyed my time here. I really enjoyed getting to know students, getting to know the team, getting to know Nottingham. Um, and getting to create community for uni students. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about what drives me and has kind of driven me to work specifically at Canvas. I have a follow-up question. No surprise, let's be <laughs> honest, it's kind of my thing. So outside of the kind of logistics, what about you know, the the work that Canvas does, the people that we engage with, the heart behind, like the ethos of Canvas really drew you in um, on more of like an emotional, personal level. Yeah, I think, I think being able to get to see change in students' lives in a positive way 
during my time in Spain really helped drive me towards coming to Canvas um, and coming to England and being able to do that in a language is just not my strong suit. Um, I wish it was. It is not. And so being able to do that in uh, a native language was just really awesome. And just the idea of that was really cool to be able to um, be a positive um, catalyst of communal change. Sweet. I believe you were popcorning, which is one of our favorite things at Canvas to do. So who are you going to popcorn next? I'm going to popcorn to Matt. Thanks, Alicia. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think for me, it kind of started when I was in uni. Um, I was part of an organization at my uni in the States, which was called CCF. And um, it's really similar to Canvas. It's the same idea. Um, and it was just a huge part of my university experience um, for a lot of different reasons. You know, like Alicia said, it, I, I grew a lot. Um, and I think, I think everybody does. I think university is a, a time in life when, when everybody's going to grow. Um, but it can also be hard. It's a, a really pivotal time. A lot of things are changing around you. You know, learning how to live outside of your parents' house, um, thinking about what you want to do with your life and, and what you care about. Um, and I think at CCF, I learned that one of the best tools um, to help you through that season is community. Um, and that's what CCF is great at. Um, and that's what I think Canvas is great at. You know, learning how to build those deep, meaningful relationships, how to take care of each other, how to, how to you know, love each other um, is just huge. And it, it really changed, like I said, my university experience and made it um, way more fulfilling you know, to the point that I'm now here not actually using my degree. You know, I think the thing that I took from university was not how to be a computer scientist, because I, I think I'd be pretty bad at that, actually. Um, but I still, you know, credit those years for a lot of where I am today because of of what CCF um, taught me. And so um, when I learned about Canvas while I was there, I heard that they were trying to do something similar in a place that didn't really have anything like that. I, I wanted to give other students a uh, similar opportunity to learn those same lessons and to have those same experiences that I had. And so that's why I'm here. Uh, next up is Miles. What's, uh, what are you doing here? Thanks, Matt. Uh, so what drove me to come to work at Canvas Nottingham uh, is something similar to Matt. It, it harkens back to my time at uni. Um, at uni, I also went to Georgia Tech and was a part of the same community Matt talked about, CCF, Christian Campus Fellowship. So it's very similar to uh, Canvas, but it just looks a little bit different in how it plays out on a day-to-day -day basis. But uh, that community was there uh, in my crisis time of life. Uh, I just had an uncle die and one of my close friends die. And I found a community where I could just be vulnerable and be myself and show up and um, be sad and just be accepted and I didn't have to put on a fake mask or a fake persona to meet other people's expectations. And that community just really changed my life. And when I decided, when I graduated, I actually wanted to uh, give back to that community. And I interned for a year at that community and that interning year changed my life. I just loved what I did. And it was the first time I ever truly loved something at like the core level of me. And I just really enjoyed the students I met with that year and just having conversations. And we talked about all sorts of things. Um, and 
there was just something really special about uh, uni life for me. Um, at uni life, nobody's forcing you to show up somewhere. Like no parent is dragging you someplace where you don't really want to go. Instead, every student I met with willingly chose to say yes to that meeting and to yes to that conversation. And there was at least a mutual respect. We might have seen some the world from different vantage points. We might have um, had very different experiences in life. But there was a respect of, hey, I am choosing to be a part of this conversation. And there was an openness also. I think people at uni are very open opposed to sometimes later in life, people get set in their ways and set in their habits and are a little closed off to new experiences in life. And so there was always something very special about the uni age that um, really attracted me. And so when I finished uh, my year interning, I decided to go to seminary, which I talked about in an earlier podcast for like four years um, to get a little bit more foundation for the journey ahead. And I didn't exactly know I was going to end up at Canvas Nottingham during that time period. I looked at helping start a new Canvas location somewhere in the States. And those opportunities uh, didn't really um, unfold. But instead, um, with about a year left, some people I really respect told me I would be a very good fit in England. They thought my personality would fit into the English culture. And I just, at that point, just said, okay, let's ask some questions and have some meetings and see where this goes. And within a month, I said yes to moving to Nottingham, England. And a year and a half later, I moved to Nottingham, England without ever being here to help start Canvas Nottingham. And it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I've really enjoyed my time at Canvas. So how about you, Christine? So for me, I grew up in a Christian family and I think originally Christianity for me was just something that I did uh, and probably had a a lot to to do with like, I thought it had a lot to do with the decisions I made and like being good. And it was very me focused, like what my role in my Christian faith was. And similar to Alicia in uni, I had the opportunity to be an exchange student at the campus in Birmingham. And throughout my experience of working at Canvas that year, I realized that really the Christian faith is so much more about other people. It's not actually about me. It's about um, who's around me, the people in my life. And um, I really do think like a full meaningful life comes from like seeing the people around you and loving those people really well. I think when we look at stories from the Bible, like that's what Jesus did. Like he was, you know, on his way to somewhere and somebody interrupted him and he stopped and like gave him that person his full attention. And so I think that year just like broke down some false assumptions that I had about Christianity and what it would look like to work for a Christian organization and just kind of reframed life and like the purpose of my life and what I wanted my life to be around about. And so for me, uh, I choose to work at Canvas because I really do think loving people in intentional, mundane, specific ways really can have a life altering impact 
on their lives. And um, I, I believe that, you know, that fully comes through a relationship with Jesus. But as a Christian, um, I believe that it's, you know, I'm called to, to love the people around me. And I think if I get the opportunity to do that with my whole life, you know, my job and my personal life and everything, like I think that's an incredible opportunity. And so that's why I do it. So yeah, that's me. Um, next up, our question is from Isaac. He asked, what part of the Bible has had the most impact on you? It could be a book or a chapter or a verse. And first off is going to be Alicia. Yeah. So I kind of struggled trying to figure out like just like trying to find one because um, there are definitely many different spaces uh, of the Bible that have really impacted me. But one of the ones that I landed on was the book of Esther. So it's a book in the Old Testament, which Miles and Christine kind of talked a little bit about that in a previous um, podcast episode on the Bible. And I just really enjoy, it's a narrative book and I just really enjoy the story of Esther. I really enjoy, um, the authenticity of it. Uh, Esther was this woman of kind of lower birth status who didn't necessarily, who didn't have her parents around her that was called to do this incredible thing for her people. Um, and I really enjoy just that narrative. Um, I think it's really empowering. I think it's really cool to see how God calls uh, and God can use people who society is just kind of cast to the side. Um, and that is really assuring both like for myself or also in my interactions with other people. Um, also, Esther didn't feel capable. Um, and there are many times in my life where like, I don't feel capable. And so I really appreciate um, that part of Esther in that she's God still used her to do all of these incredible, amazing things and help save the people of Israel. Um, even though she was just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can do this. Are you sure? Are you sure I'm the right person? Um, and there are many times in which I can resonate with that. And so I really enjoy Esther. So popcorn, Matt. Yeah, thanks Alicia. That's a great, great answer. Um, similarly, uh, it's hard for me to pick one. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, well, I think the one that kind of popped to my mind was um, actually the very beginning, uh, the first couple books of the very first book of the Bible, which we call Genesis. Um, this is basically the story of how God um, created us and created the world. And I really like it because I think it's just a great picture of God's uh, intent for us and for the world. Um, you know, it says that God made, um, you know, each each uh, day of the of the week, you know, God made a, a new thing in the world. Uh, and at the end, it says that God kind of looks out over what he made and said that it was good. Um, and I just think that's a great picture um, of a God who is creative, um, a God who is um, working to bring um, order out of chaos. Um, I think a lot of the the symbolism at the beginning talks about how, you know, before there was the world, there was nothing, there was, there was chaos. Um, and, and God's work in the world is to uh, kind of set that all right and to kind of uh, organize it into something beautiful and wonderful. Um, and I just love that image. Um, and obviously it, it got a little messed up um, and we're not in that place right now. 
Um, but I think the rest of the Bible, the, the other books, um, are a story of God's work uh, to to get it back to the way it was at the beginning. Um, and so I just I just love that image of God um, creating and making things that are good, and then um, you know giving us as humans access to that, um, putting us in that place and wanting to share it with us, um, wanting us to have the fullest experience of it. Um, and then again, you know, working to to fully establish that. Um, I just love that that image, that view of of God, that idea um, that I think I think gets lost sometimes. So, yeah, that one's that's really impactful for me for sure. Uh, Miles, what about you? Thanks, Matt. Uh, I'm going to answer this question a little bit differently. Um, instead of focusing like on a bigger so- uh, section, I'm going to actually. Um, read a little bit of scripture from Matthew 11. Um, It's just three verses, so stick with me while I read it. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is just Jesus um, addressing people who are following him. And I just this scripture just sums up so much of Christianity to me. And I think sometimes we get Christianity so backwards and confused and Christians and non-Christians alike. And they make it all about these rules and restrictions and like following Jesus is a buzzkill. Like it's one of these things where basically if I follow Jesus, I can't have any more fun with my life. And I just think this scripture really, um, points towards like the reversal. Um, Following Jesus is like a lighter feeling. It sort of reorients your life around like this ultimate goal, this ultimate purpose, and everything else sort of falls into place. So instead of like creating more restrictions or more burdens or limiting what you're able to do, instead it provides this freedom, a freedom to be like more human and experience things more fully because it's in the proper balance and proper like order of things. And I just really like this imagery. It just, it reverts a lot of the ideas of what you hear about people when they talk about Jesus and talk about Christianity. And so this scripture just gives me a lot of hope. And to me, it also symbolizes like the most real thing for me. The most real thing for me is following Jesus and trying to like partner with him to make the world a better place and to do the work to make the world a better place revolves around like finding my ultimate rest, my ultimate satisfaction in who Jesus is. And it just um, gives me the courage to go about my day to day life. So I just, I encourage you to give it a shot, read a little bit of the Bible because I've found some really great things to give me hope in everyday life. How about you, Christine? So as I touched on earlier about having these um, these assumptions that were incorrect about my faith, I originally thought that faith was all about what I did. And what I've learned over the years is that my faith is more about this relationship with God. And one of the mysteries of that is like, how do you engage with God? Um, How do you hear from God? How do you have a relationship with God? And I believe that one of the ways that is possible is um, through scripture. I believe that God speaks to people through scripture. 
Um, it's kind of like, have you ever been sitting with a friend? Um, maybe you were having a rough day or something and that friend just encouraged you or spoke to you in a certain way. And it's like, they said the thing that you needed to hear in that moment in time. It was like, you didn't, maybe didn't understand how they knew what to say. Um, maybe it caught you a bit by surprise, but it probably really stuck with you because it, it made you feel a certain way. Similarly, I believe there are moments, um, have been moments in my faith journey where I have experienced God speak to me in that way as a good friend would in a time of need through the Bible. And one specifically happened a couple of summers ago. Um, I was in this mo in this place of, um, of just desperation and um, of real need. And I had this sense, I don't even remember exactly how it came to mind, but I was just drawn to this uh, passage in or section of scripture in Psalms, which is in the Old Testament. And uh, in Psalm 18, there's a part uh, in verse six, it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help from his timbers. And the rest of the chapter goes on um, to describe like how God responded in that moment of need. And it was just like, it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment of time. I needed to know that like God, who I believe in, who I want to live my life for, who I love, I needed to know that God heard me and not only just heard me, but took action to come comfort me and be with me in my time of need. And so that is one of the specific um, pieces of, of scripture that I have found really impactful in my life. All right, our last question comes from Joe. Joe just recently finished his PhD in philosophy. And so in true Joe fashion, he has sent us a philosophical question to really round out this week's episode of Uni Life. So he asked, what do you think we should do in A, the original trolley problem, B, fat man, slash push a guy off a bridge to save five others or see the transplant situation where you can kill a healthy person and harvest their organs to save five patients. So basically it's a three part question, lots of layers, lots of philosophical thoughts going on. And thankfully miles is here to help me uh, navigate our way through this one. So miles, give us some explanation for starters and then let's, let's discuss this. This question from Joe. <laughs> Sounds good, Christine. Uh, to sum it up, all three of these questions deal with the same premise. Um, are we willing to sacrifice one quote unquote innocent person in order to help three, four, five other people who are in some precarious situation? And it's the question of the greater good. At what point does one individual's freedom 
need to be sacrificed in order to help the greater good of the greater population? And each of these three questions tries to tackle that philosophical question in a different way. And so I think Christine and I will try to answer this question from a couple of different perspectives. I'm going to try to answer it from a theological point of view first, and then we'll, Christine and I will go back and forth on the human point of view. Um, but theologically, like the this is sort of the bind that I feel like evil or the devil or Satan tries to put God in. Like basically humanity is not in the best place. Like things are messed up. Things aren't going great. There's problems in the world. We've seen this time and time again. There's war, there's sickness. There's all these problems in the world. And basically the devil is like, okay, God, you sort of have two choices with all this uh, problems in the world. One is you can sort of just, throw that human experiment away. Like it's a failed experiment. It won't work. Like there's no way to redeem them. Or the second one is you can sort of, um, lower your standards, God, in the sense, like basically God, like, Oh, all that bad stuff. It doesn't matter. Like evil injustice, none of that stuff matters. And it's sort of this philosophical bind that the devil tries to put God in. Um, but sort of God doesn't, operate in the same way. God doesn't just say, oh, go into our either or binary thinking. Instead, God is bigger than our binary logic problems. And God's solution is instead of doing one of those two things is to enter into the human experience. Um, this is what Christians celebrate at Christmas is the coming of Jesus, uh, the coming of God as a person. So God's response to the suffering of the world isn't a theological answer. It isn't trying to excuse it or come away. Instead, it is to enter into the human experience. And God takes on the full weight of that pain, that sin, that sickness, um, and he doesn't succumb to it. God, Jesus doesn't stumble. Jesus doesn't mess up. Jesus doesn't miss the mark. Instead, Jesus experiences the weight of that um, throughout his entire life. And this is like the great news is that we don't get into these either or um, um, either or situations with God. God can transcend these problems. And I think that's really good news is that God doesn't have to choose that one person or the five people. God has found a way to include us all into this story. So good. I think that is just as you said, Miles, great news. I love that in the Bible, it talks about uh, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. I think that is one of the many mysteries of faith. Like, how is that possible? Also, there's so much bad going on in the world. So you got that going on. But I think that just as you were touching on earlier, we're not, God is not limited like humans are limited. God is able to be all inclusive and uh, to work things together in a way that we as humanity cannot. And so just like you touched on, Jesus came to save everyone. You know, he sacrificed himself for the sake of all others, not like a few others, but everyone. And mm -hmm. I think that that is one of the many things that sets God and Jesus apart from the rest of humanity. I 100% agree. And that doesn't negate those like trouble situations we face today. Like Joe, these philosophical situations or even 
people are facing that when, in questions of what to do with COVID supplies, what to do and all these things. Like there are a lot of tough philosophical and ethical dilemmas we face. And those are very real challenges. And I like, I really trust that people are trying to do their best and trying to help as many people as possible um, in these situations. We see people sacrifice for these people and to try to help as many people as possible. And we, unfortunately, there are still sickness and disease. Um, and so um, the good news is, I guess, is that God is alongside with us. God doesn't just um, sit on the sidelines. Instead, God has entered the story and is experiencing the pain alongside of people. And so I don't have a philosophical solution for why there's pain and suffering in the world. But neither did God. God instead gave a person. God gave himself. Yeah. What I would add to that is I think best case scenario in the world is when we all choose to operate out of a we over me mentality. And so mm -hmm. focusing on the other person and choosing to love, like I talked about earlier, the people in our lives and if we all did that, I think we would all give and receive love, which would be incredible in a very sacrificial way. Also, I think in regards to this question Joe asked, one of the reasons that it is a question that continues to be talked about time and time and time again is because you don't really know what you would do in that situation until you are in that situation. And <laughs> nobody wants to be in a situation where you're having to make these kinds of decisions, right? I wouldn't wish that on any person. And mm -hmm. so if you end up in a situation like the ones talked about in this question, it's only then that you would truly be able to decide and to know what decision you would make. And, um, I think another wonderful part of God is that regardless of the decision made in that situation, I think in some mysterious way, I think like God covers that, like God's grace and love is still present. Um, whether we make decisions in moments that are best case scenario or worst case scenario, I don't think that that is like, the end of the story for, you know, regardless of what the answer of the question is. Does that make sense? Oh, I think that's a perfect point and is really great. I think oftentimes we create some situations into either or binary solutions because we're in, we're acting out of fear. We're afraid, oh, we either have to do this or this. When there's very few of those situations in life, like and when we come together as a community and have more thought perspectives and more people's voices, we can actually come up with more creative solutions. It might not be the best solution, but it might not be as simple as this or this. Definitely. We're better together. And I think that that is the moral of this story. So each week on the episode, we end by asking five rapid fire questions to our guest of the week. And since Alicia is our newest guest to the podcast, we thought we would ask her. So are you ready for five questions, Alicia? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, fill in the blank. Community is? I think for community for me is a place... Um where you can feel welcomed, but you also feel empowered to welcome other people. 
um, where you can just kind of be yourself and not feel like somebody's, you know, judging or thinking something weird or, um, yeah. And also have the ability to like have honest conversations with other people too. Yep. That's great. What is your favorite takeaway food? Oh gosh. Just one. Only one option. I mean, many options, but only one answer allowed. Only one answer. So while I was in isolation, I found this place called German Donor Kebab that I have very much enjoyed um, during the last few months here in England. So I would say German Donor Kebab is probably my favorite takeaway. I still really want to eat there. It's so good. Maybe one day when it's not raining, we can uh, socially distanced eat in Old Market Square together. Yes, let's do it. What's something you have binged or are binging recently? Um, it could be a podcast, a book, a TV show. Ooh, so I just recently found out about Gogglebox. <laughs> um, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Like, it is so fun. It's so funny. You can kind of jump in wherever you want. So, there, like, there isn't really a storyline. Um, yeah. And so, I very much enjoy Gogglebox. I also recently started binging for the third time the series called Rain on Netflix, which I would I'm highly sorry. recommend. Did you just pick two options? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Classic. I did just pick two options. That, that was sneaky, but... We're going to go with the goggle box first answer. <laughs> What's something that you are grateful for in this season? I think I'm grateful for the Canvas team in this season. Um, and not just because you all are right are here with me, but like the Canvas team has been incredibly welcoming and helping me um, adjust to England during a pandemic, which is a feat. So I've been very grateful for you guys. Aww. We're very grateful for you as well, Alicia. All right. This is the last question. It's a, would you rather, would you rather get to go on a dream vacation for two weeks or spend a week with anyone in the world, but you must stay in your hometown? Only one person in your hometown. That's correct. Do you get to take somebody with you on your dream vacation? Negative. Uh, I would absolutely go back to my hometown with one person. I was so interested to hear what you were going to say because you have been talking about wanting to go to the beach since <laughs> the day I met you, I think. At least the day you arrived in England. And so I was wondering, is she going to say the beach alone or go back home? Because obviously family, it's almost Christmas time. Like... It, it was a toss-up for me to know what you were going to say, but let's be honest. Family is number one. Who would be the person you would spend the week with at home? Um, my best friend, Rachel. She lives in Florida. Her hometown is also my hometown. So I feel like we could just go and visit all of our favorites that we spent our whole lives finding. Um, and I don't, I haven't seen her in like a year and a half. So it would be fun to physically see her at home. Definitely. In Lincoln, Nebraska, one of the best places. Sweet. 
Thanks everyone for joining us on this week's episode of UniLife with Canvas Nottingham. And special thanks to Alexander, Isaac, and Joe for submitting such great questions. The discussion that we've been hosting each week for the podcast episodes happens on Monday afternoons at 1230. And the one for this week's episode will be on the 14th of December. Everyone's invited to join us. We have it on Zoom. Check out our social media for the link. If you're new to the podcast, go ahead and subscribe so that you know when next week's episode drops. It's all about Christmas, and you're not going to want to miss it. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot us an email at unilife at canvashouse.org. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Canvas Nottingham. Until next time, peace out.